So, Watson, every two weeks, normal, respectable people, the very sort of society, descend into a giggling madness. Something triggers off these hordes of people to be plunged into Stygian depths of insanity for several days before recovering, only to wallow once again. I feel that someone or something nefarious is behind this. Why, Hans? Do you think your arch-nemesis, Moriarty, is behind this? No, Watson, this is something far worse. This is the work of someone far more cunning and wicked. This is the work of one group of people. This is the handiwork of the Staggering Stories podcast. Welcome, 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 dear listeners, one and all, to this, the latest in a long line of Staggering Stories podcasts. I'm Crumbly. I'm Fake Keith. I'm Fake Crumbly. <gasps> I'm Adam. I'm Jean. And <laughs> I, yes, I am... A fart in the jacuzzi of life, a smudge on the glasses of hope, a puncture in the colourful beach ball that is manhood. Just because you watched season four of Babylon 5. You made me cry. <laughs> I didn't make you cry. You did. I warned you not to no, get attacked. No, no, You made me cry. <sighs> 30 years I've resisted watching that bloody programme and you make me watch it. So what scene did you cry at then? Oh, have you never seen Babylon 5? Have you never? <laughs> yes, I have. Put yes. it this way. You I must... really mm. like Marcus and I really like Ivanova. Liked. Uh, uh, liked. <laughs> uh, no, don't hit me! Liked. <laughs> yes, Marcus is now in the past tense. Shut yes. up. No, no, he's fine. He's in the freezer section. I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but did he ever get a good boffing? I mean, that was... A I thing. hate you all. <laughs> that that stiff, hell, I have so no sad. idea. I haven't seen it, so, you know. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler music, spoiler music. Sha-la-la-la-la. <laughs> yes, Ivana gives Marcus a good boffing. <laughs> Have you seen season five No, yet? I'm not watching it. <laughs> I'm taking a break because I got B5'd uh, okay. out. So now, my Christmas gift cards, I have bought mm -hmm. all nine series of Waking the Dead, oh, which is right. the Dead? a 90s oh, cop God. show about oh, cold yeah, cold cold some time team. ago. Yeah. And I've just got to the end of season four, where my favourite character has just died. Yeah. And <laughs> and, and strangely enough, that's my fault as well. Is that the young? Is that the young lad? No, no, young woman. Yeah, oh, uh, oh she well, did, she, well, it was it her own fault. You... When she was thrown off the roof, she didn't learn to fly. Don't get attached to some <laughs> of the men either. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that to me. <laughs> oh. But there again, all those DVDs of Time Team you got—did anyone die in that? <laughs> A lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> thousands of thousands of them. Tons of them. Oh my god, I'm I'm not playing anymore. I'm going home. Damn, I am home. Karen, you keep fading in and out of existence. Well, like all the people I get attached to. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and Keith, you're just a disembodied voice. 
I do some of my best work, disembodied. Shall we carry on? All oh, right. <laughs> yeah, shall we yeah, welcome people? Anyway, anyway, dear listeners, without further ado, yes, Holmesian mysteries besides, it's the news with El Presidente. Blake Seven News. Oh, yeah. Blake Seven, not finished yet. Dun, dun, dun. The deaths of first Gareth Thomas and, more recently, Paul Darrow may have ended Big Finish's full Liberator and Scorpio crew audio plays, but they still have plans for their Blake Seven range. Taking a leaf from their Worlds of Doctor Who spin-offs, the audio mongers are going all in with their imaginatively named Worlds of Blake Seven. <laughs> These new audios will feature a mixture of full cast plays and tie-in audiobooks. Announced cast includes the like of Michael Keating, Sally Navette, Jan Chappell, Stephen Grief. I never, how do you say, is it Grief or Grief? Grief. I don't know. <laughs> Brian Croucher and the Colin Baker. Aww. Yes. Aww. Babe and the Butcher is making a return in the creatively named audio play, Babe and the Butcher. <laughs> and the tie-in audio book, Babe and the Butcher, colon, Babe and Ascending. <gasps> How many times did you expect to hear the name Baben today? <laughs> the range kicks off in a few weeks with Avalon Volumes 1 and 2 in May and June. May I point out that Baben the Butcher sounds like the sequel to Babe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Babe, Babe in the City. Ba- and babe and the Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the end of the saga. Well, yes. <laughs> Apart from yeah. Return of the Sausages. Comes Mr. Hanky. What? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Hanky, the Christmas boo. (laughs) Oh, God. Right, Indiana Jones. New film gets real. Mm. Oh, dear. They've got to hurry up. Yeah, they need to. Yes. Some 13 years ago, the world could not believe it. It was really getting a fourth Indiana Jones film. And now we all need to prepare ourselves once again. Mm. Yes, ready your fridge for nuking. (laughs) (laughs) As Indiana Jones 5 is officially happening, according to Disney, it will feature a geriatric Harrison Forge, aged 78, and new co-star Phoebe Waller-Bridge, aged only 35. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fleabag, yes. Spielberg, 74, will be producing but not directing this time. Instead, Logan's James Mangold, 58, is set to direct. Why, why, John... why do we have all these ages? <laughs> Comparison. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. John Williams, 89, <laughs> is planning on returning as a soundtrack composer despite having retired from Lucasfilm's other major franchise, namely Star Wars, 43. <laughs> Fortunately. <laughs> Fortunately, Shia LaBeouf, 34, <laughs> is not expected to be involved in this film. God. It is unlikely to make the previously announced release of date of the 19th of July 2019 or the later revised date of the 10th of July 2020, at least without the aid of time travel. But perhaps the new date of the 29th of July 2022 will happen. Ooh. Who knows? I kind of liked this Crystal Skull, but kind of hated it at the same time. 
Um, <laughs> it was to a wash with CGI. Yeah, I think this is probably going to have to concentrate on his son more than him. I think he's going to have to become mm, his father's yeah. role. <laughs> well, he's not going to be in it. So I don't know if Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be his daughter. That's what I was thinking. Who knows? Although, even then, was he? she 35? 35, 35, yeah. You know, it could be, but it's more getting more into granddaughter territory, isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. well, no, no, can... no in the movie systems, it's actually probably his new wife. <laughs> I, I, I just have to say, if you consider, if you can consider that Sean Connery was only eight years older than Harrison Ford. Mm. You know? He started young. He yeah. did. <laughs> Indiana Jones on the quest for the dentures? I don't know what <laughs> It's the music by Hans Zimmer frame. Oh. Oh. Come on, that Indiana was Jones and the quest for a nursing home. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the what was I looking for? Yeah. <laughs> Incontinence yeah. pants. Indiana Jones and all oh, too late. <laughs> Any more news? I have an addendum. What you is your addendum? addendum? My addendum is a short addendum. But it is a sweet is it Tom addendum. Bacon? No. Oh. It is oh, that yeah. Noel Clark, the wonderful Dead. Mickey the idiot, or Mickey mm-hmm. isn't an idiot, collected a gong for outstanding British contribute to cinema at the BAFTA. He did. Oh. He did. Oh. He's a good lad. Yeah. I mean, I like him as an actor, but I also like a lot of the stuff he's made for movies as well. I yep. think he's... Um, not seen it, really. Adulthood, kidulthood and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. He's not given the standing of the reputation that he deserves, so to speak. He's not no. He's not given the credit he deserves. Well, he has been yeah, now. Sure. Yes. We saw him in yep. something, didn't we? Yeah. Baby Mickey. Baby Mickey was in Waking the he Dead. He was in Waking the Dead as a young copper. Yeah. Oh, really? He was okay. so young. <laughs> it was early noughties. It was. He barely had any chin hair. <laughs> or hair anywhere else. And any more addendums? <laughs> There has been a wraith of Star Trek trailers and teasers recently. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Yes. And we have the immeasurable and infatigable Q returning for Picard Season 2. Oh, blimey. John Delancey. Yeah. Yeah. The trailer's really good. He's already turned up in Lower Decks, the uh, animated Mm -hmm. show. He was in in a brief couple of scenes in Season 1, but apparently they've got Q on board for the next season of Picard. So he might be showing up in one or two episodes of that, if not more. (laughs) Mm. Could somebody remind me how old John Delancey is now? At least 12. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I would say probably mid-60s, I don't know yeah. mm-hmm. I reckon older than that well, I think, so. I'm going to say 71 Let's have a look really? You've just looked it up, haven't you? No <laughs> No, she hasn't, I'm, I'm just about to look it up Alexa, uh, it. how old is John Delancey? John Delancey is 72 years old. 72! Oh, <laughs> oh, so close! Actually, 73. Alexa, shush. Oh. That's Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia's wrong. March 20th, 1948. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia's right. <laughs> <laughs> so how's that compared to Patrick Stewart? He must be a... Uh, 84. No. I've... Is he really 84? Yes. Yeah, I think That's he's... That's a guess. Uh, 84? He's, he's somewhere in his beginning 80s, I Alexa, think. Alexa, how old is Patrick Stewart? You still believe in Alexa? Patrick Stewart is 80 years old. 80. Yeah. Yeah, 80. 80. So that means he's probably 81 then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, no. July 1940, according to this. Yeah. Oh, so he's 81 soon. In July. In July. Yeah. 13th yeah. of July. Into his ninth decade. Any more news? Any more news? No. And that's the end of the news. Dear listeners, we've been watching a DVD, or if you're very rich, a Blu-ray, 
And we've also been listening to an audiobook. Mm, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now it's horrible, it's red, so what could that mean? <laughs> could it be the crimson horror? Ha, ha, ha. Pause for music. Or you haven't been using the cream. Was this the first introduction of um, Jenny Vastra and Strax? No, because they were in the, the snowmen. No, no. Mm. no, they turned up in a good Mangusta war. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking as as the as the the kind of like um, whatever they would call themselves. I can't remember the name. Paternoster gang. So this isn't the first time we saw them together like that. Ooh. Yes and no. <laughs> You're an ass. Time-wise. <laughs> in the televised version, no. This is something like the third or fourth instalment. But in the book, you do have a little prequel section where it's the first time Jenny meets the Doctor. You do. That wasn't televised. As you can tell, we mm-hmm. listened to the audio thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm really, really glad we did. It was read by, what's, it, what's her name? Kat- Catherine Stewart. Who plays Jenny. And uh, she does a very good Madame Vastra as well. Yeah. All the female voices particularly, she was really yeah. good. Yeah. The male voices are clearly a little tricky. Uh, she, well, she, she, I thought she did a passable attempt at Strax, but I, yeah. but I thought her doctor was completely off. Well, yeah, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not her fault, but... No, no. But, yeah, she starts the uh, the story before the adventures of the Crimson Horror. Mm. And you get lots of build-up mm-hmm. and background and incidents that happen before. Mm. I would have mm. thought they would have got um, Dan Starkey into a voice They track, did. There was uh, a kind few of. segments with Strax. There was a few yeah. uh, reports reports from his data crystal that was read by ah. Dan Starkey, but mm. the majority of mm. it was handled by uh, Jenny. Jenny. It had all those themes of a good gothic horror, and one of those reasons, I think, is because it was written by someone that loves his gothic horror oh, yeah. in yeah. the form of Mark. You can really tell that in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Mark Gatis, Gatis, I can never remember which way it is. Gatis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, there's a lot of flavour in the novel version. Yeah, you can tell he really is quite a fan of that era, or at least the fiction that yeah. era. I don't know how. That's true. A lot of it is, but clearly things like Sherlock Holmes is a big fan of, and mm. that sort of thing. The, the the Penny Dreadfuls and quite a lot of. Yeah. Um, what was the show that he starred in? Sherlock? No. Dracula? No, 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 no. The, uh, League of Gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. The League <laughs> of Gentlemen. Okay. Yeah, the, a lot of League of Gentlemen was sort of very penny dreadful horror. Mm. Oh, he does mm. know his stuff. He's narrated some really, really good film um, programs about the horror fiction of this era. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he's done those ghost stories at Christmas mm. too. Yeah. Another one of which I think is coming for this year. Oh, I hope so. They're good though. So this is set in 1893 Yorkshire. Yeah. Which is why yep. Strax needs all the arm ammunitions because they're going up north. <laughs> <laughs> yes, commenting on the uh, on the TV episode, it had a very steampunk feel to it. Mm. Yes, yeah, the um, yeah. chimney and and uh, her computer and uh, the bell jars, the giant glass bell yeah. jars, mm. you sort of, yeah, connected up to those pumps to keep those uh, people preserved mm. after the forthcoming apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there, there was nice tie-ins with Diana Riggs' character, Mrs. Gillyflower, in that she yeah. was very much mm-hmm. being played off of those pure... That There was this thing about these Puritans at the time, you know, that every vice was a sinful vice and Armageddon was coming and... 
the dawn of the Industrial Revolution was downfall for mankind and that kind of stuff. It was very much that kind of, you know, lips that touch thou, lips shall not touch mine <laughs> scenario. Yeah. The talk about selling them to Smallville. Much, Fire and brimstone. You know, very much joined in on that image. It wasn't Smallville, was it? What was Sweet, Sweetville. 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 Yeah. Sweetville. Mm, Sweetville, yeah. But there again, I mean, I suppose they drew the information. Uh, the inspiration from places like Port Sunlight, which is basically all about wash, uh, washing up powder. Mm. Mm, and Bourneville. And, yeah. yeah, and Bourneville. Yeah, chocolate. So. It did have slight connotations to the Autons in that she was creating human mannequins. I take it they were revivable afterwards. Yeah, and I wasn't quite sure. They were the that. rejects, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the ones that were preserved under the Belgians uh, mm-hmm. certainly in the book version, are all revived afterwards. But, mm-hmm. uh, because they revived Clara. They revived Clara. Sadly. But, but the ones uh, that are read. Yeah, and initially the ones that were read uh, were also rejected. And the, the doctor was... And dead. Oh, yeah, right. the doctor mm-hmm. was part of the reject, the dead pile. Yeah, but he survived mm-hmm. unusually, which is why he was a monster. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the respiratory bypass and triple hearts and whatever. <laughs> and I, yeah. I like mm-hmm. I like the, the little tie-in to Madame Vastra's ear in that this all had to do with the leech that created yeah. the poison... Yes. That she recognised from her time because the Silurians had had to deal with this as well, which I thought was actually quite a nice little time for change. It not just being something that of this era that the Doctor knew about. She was the one that kind of yeah. filled in the gaps for him. Mm. Yeah. yeah, she she mm. was the information source. It amazing they get somebody that small that could play that character. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yes, going back to um, you know, the people being preserved and dipped in wax or whatever it is, now, I couldn't help but draw you know, comparisons between that and Carry On Screaming. Yes, there oh, was a God touch of um, frying tonight. tonight. <laughs> frying tonight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I, I, I think um, there, there was a few homages to some of the Hammer mm. and um, oh, yeah. Elstream. Yeah, yeah. I forget most of them because I was listening to this while I was driving the audiobook version. Yeah. I couldn't write down stuff, but there's quite a few references to Doc 2 throughout. Oh, yes. Random things. Yes. And even a callback to Skelmanthorpe. Yep. Mm. Which, of course, is where Jodie Whittaker comes from. Otherwise, a name we wouldn't know at all, I suspect. (laughs) And the Warrior's Gate imagery. Yeah, you had the the Warrior's Gate black and white alternative dimensions. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, uh, it said Warrior's Gate. Plus, you had the uh, Gobby Australian. (laughs) Yes, I like that. I had to get, I tried to get back to to Heathrow. Heathrow. Why? I don't know. (laughs) No idea. Yes, I thought that was a nice little uh, throwback. Yes, and uh, good old Strax. I mean, towards the end, he gives off any pretense of being a butler and um, <laughs> yeah, just dons his armour again. Yes. <laughs> Reliving his highlights. Old good grief and uh, oh, meeting uh, Thomas Thomas as well. Oh, yes. Gosh, oh. Yes. yes, I remember that <laughs> at the time and sitting there thinking, oh, no, that's, that's a joke too far. <laughs> well, it was quite interesting for, for the book version like i said you have a a little prologue which is set a couple of years before doesn't have Mm -hmm. strax in but it does have jenny vashter and the doctor and it's based on uh, jenny's first meeting of the doctor and Mm -hmm. we had the uh britain's got talent oh yeah yeah i can't remember what they called it um great most talented person in the realm or something yeah Oh. <laughs> and it, it is basically Britain's Got Talent, including the nasty uh, Simon Cowell, Simon Cowell <laughs> character, yeah. sort of up, it, up yeah. in the uh, auditorium box. <laughs> but it, it's interesting, and I think maybe the Big Finish Paternoster gang stories might return to this. 
but it initially mm. seeds the uh, the cabal which uh, Miss Gillyflower is a part of yeah. as this mysterious background group that are in it just for chaos pulling the strings. The man with the artificial hand. Yes, who uh, is is a sort of framing device for the Crimson Horror in the book version because he appears mm. right at the beginning to push Vashtra and Jenny and Strax in the right direction and is there just to tidy things up at the end. Yeah, it's strange because it, it's not been referenced anywhere else, no. as far as I know. I'm not fully up to date with the Paternoster gang audios, but it would seem unlikely for them to mention it because it comes after them. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's uh, an option for them to pick up. I think the mm. Paternoster sourcebook for the Doctor Who role-playing game postulated something similar but not exactly the same mm. as uh, opponents for you to fight yeah it would be easy to i mean whilst in the actual tv program it was very obvious it was mrs gillyflower was the, the and mr sweet were the main protagonists of the organization but it would be very easy to intimate retrospectively that there was another hand behind yeah, it a cabal of supervillains. <laughs> mm. i don't know if that diminishes her as a character though well uh she was part of uh the, in the original original flashback story she was a part of that but they weren't moving fast enough for, for her so she broke off and broke away to do her own thing mm. one thing i was pondering about was how mr sweet managed to com- uh, communicate with her because for all its diminutive size means or whether it com- communicated with her telepathically or uh, hormonally or what i mean either or yeah i think it was implied because it's a symbiotic relationship so yeah. yes. i suspect mm-hmm. it would have been in some form of telepath telepathic relationship that his thoughts become her thoughts mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because also she seemed very cold to her daughter more so than just the disappointed victorian governess disappointed she actually seemed devoid of of really any association with the daughter mm. almost like the well, mother had been using, completely destroyed. Using her own daughter as a guinea pig, I mean, sort of, mm. that kind of says it all that does. Yeah, yeah. so that really gives the feeling that, you know, anything of Mrs. Gillyflower has more gone than anything else. It's more Mr. Sweet now. Mm. Yeah, running the show, mm. yeah. Maybe. Mind you, I wasn't too keen on the way he was squished at the end of it, though. Bashed <laughs> to death with a cane. A, a, what more yeah. do you ex- do with an insect, a parasite, vermin? For, for a blind girl, her aim <laughs> was, was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I think the book version dispensed with that final scene with Clara in modern day. They've got the kids. Yeah. We find a picture of her. Worked it out. Well, that, well, that was yeah. the link into the next episode. Uh, I have to it say was, on that bit. Dispensed with I wouldn't have given in. I'd have turned around and said, yeah, go tell your dad I'm a time traveller and my mate's an yeah. alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he's going to believe them. And also, I seem to remember she saw a picture of Victorian Clara from Snowman and thought, that wasn't me. Mm. I haven't done that. So what's that then? But why wouldn't you immediately think, oh, well, that's something I'm going to do in the yeah. future? Yeah. 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 Mm. I'm going to return there. Bollocks. I hated that period. <laughs> <laughs> also, the book, because it gives that little prequel thing, you get the Doctor from the beginning. Yeah. But in the TV series episode, you don't get him until really it's, about halfway through the episode. It's almost a Doctor Light episode. It is. And even more of a Clara Light. Yeah. Mm. Clara almost didn't need to be in this, <laughs> particularly the book version. Yeah. She doesn't do anything, really. She's only there because she has to be. Yeah, the audio, Katrine Stewart's, um, she did a very good Clara oh, very as well. Good Clara. 
but yeah. she was hardly in it at all. You must have loved this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think one of the better is seventy. I, I think she's there to drop a relevant clue about the chimney with no smoke. Mm. That's about it. Mm. But then they could have yeah. easily given that to Jenny. Yeah. Or just some random. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is this episode, as much as it is in terms of that, it, it suffers the curse of too many assistants. It you have to when you start adding two or three or four, you need to start locking some of them away because it's hard to balance them all. Yeah. Mm. And especially when they're all strong characters. That's it. So you know, Stax has his own little bit that none of them can can compete with, and to an extent, Vastra has. But Jenny and Clara, both humans, both pretty similar intellect. That they kind of like very similar characters on paper. You know, I don't know. Clara can't do that sort of fighting in that leather suit that Jenny was doing. But other than that, you know, you've got two kind of like you don't necessarily need both of them all the way through. So you then end up. Well, what do I do with one of them? Well, yeah. as, as an extent, this basically wasn't a Doctor Who episode. It was uh, a Paternostra gang episode. Mm. It's what a TV series featuring them would have been like. Mm. Yeah, you wonder how much of it was it intended as a sort of backdoor pilot. I don't know. I'd love to see a Paternoster gang series. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it had 6.47 million viewers, so it did quite well. Yeah. yeah. And so you yeah. want to see more Strax and these sherbet fancies. <laughs> I loved that whole bit about Strax being addicted to sweeties. <laughs> have you have you been eating Lady <laughs> Jenna's Palmer? <laughs> Except for Palmer Violets. Oh, Palmer Violets yeah. are horrible. Yeah. I love Palmer Violets. <laughs> Strax doesn't. Very yeah, cute. <laughs> I would. I, I think it would have been nice to see a Paternoster gang. I think that would have been quite a nice. Yeah, you know, make a, a nice CBBC thing. Mm. Yeah. Although I'd imagine it could they, be a bit, a bit creepy it? for smaller yeah. children. I don't know though. We used to like it, the creepy it, it, stuff it, when we were kids. Yeah, I was going to say it could fit in the same age gap range that they aimed for for Sarah Jane. Yeah. Say towards the end. Yeah. Mm. It's like the older Sarah Jane. Yeah. Well, they could even go off at a tangent and make one purely for the adults, like they do, <laughs> but properly so. Not just it's adult because we're swearing and there's sex in it. Actually, make <laughs> you know a, a grown-up horror sci-fi fantasy thing. Yeah, they could do with that sort of thing to to fill the eighteen odd month gap between seasons, mm. couldn't they? But there we go. <laughs> also, I wonder going back to Jenny and her. Uh, leather outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wistful look on the smile that comes yeah. on his face. He's off his fingers deliberate... in her leather outfit. <laughs> was that a deliberate thing because they knew they had Diana Rigg? Obviously, he was famous yeah, for there is... Emma Peel's mm, cat suit. It might be a fighting hat too. Yeah. Right now. I think it's I think it's a mixture of the steampunk look and the um the 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 Emma Peel. Emma Peel, yeah, Emma Peel. That's right. Yeah. Back to the book version, one of the things I did love is Jenny's jealousy over Madame Vashta's roving eye. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> she um, had a thing for the uh, singer. The singer, yeah, <laughs> until she spoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, I did like the guy, the the, gen- the very Victorian gentleman that spends half his time fainting. Oh, fainting, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Thursday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my thud. <laughs> and you got the final word too, didn't he, in the book? Yeah, mm. yeah as as a, adaptations or novelizations go, pretty faithful. Obviously, it expands it a bit to that stuff at the beginning. Yeah. But 
the actual thing we saw on TV is pretty faithfully represented. Mm. Yeah. Oh, book. yeah. He didn't go off piste at all like some of them do. No. Is this something they're going to be doing with the other Target books, giving an audio version as well? I think they've all got, all the new ones oh, got audio this versions. Is, that yeah. is brilliant. And I love, I do actually like the idea of them extending the story. Mm. Because this this yeah. worked wonderfully, and I don't see why any of the others couldn't. I think when you put yeah. transfer something into audio, you do have to extend it because with TV, you can have almost two minutes of silence, mm. but you've got them creeping yeah, down the corridor, you've of, got them opening yeah. the doors, you've got them seeing stuff. <laughs> you can't do that in audio, yeah. so you have yeah, to I replace mean, that. So extending think, it to the way they did with this, it was a what, lot more than just chucking a few extra oh, yeah. lines in. But what I mean is in terms mm. of the time that they have to do the, the audio, so let's say they say the audio needs to be 50 minutes long. Because you're losing those two or three minutes, you've got space to expand yeah. on the audio hmm. because it wasn't made an audio originally it was a novelization mm. yeah. a target book yeah. which they then recorded as they have done for most of the if not maybe all i don't know at this point the target books new and old who does the audios is it bbc audio it's bbc if people are interested is there something we can put in show notes about where you can acquire them yeah i bought that one on cd you can also get it audible i think hmm. uh you can probably get it on google play or whatever the itunes store i expect i don't know yeah anywhere where you can get audio books you can sure you can get hold of a copy i have five credits on audible to spend <laughs> five <laughs> yeah. wow, okay. i think you have maximum six don't you before they well i'd better start spending them then <laughs> yeah <laughs> right Definitely we would like while. to know what all of you lot thought of the crimson aura either tv version audiobook or book do you know how you can tell us? <laughs> how do they how, tell us, Kevin? How, Kevin? How? You can write to us how? at show at staggering stories dot net. Net. I know, Jane. It's a it's a tough line, but you know <laughs> you got it out in the end. <laughs> Dear listeners, we've all been watching something on Netflix. Indeed. Mm. It's all about a people, yeah, a bunch of people with very um, dubious bowel habits. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> they don't no, eat a lot no, of no, roughage. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> they need to eat more prunes, more fibre anyway. Yeah. And the name of this programme is The Irregulars. What's for music? I don't want this whole thing to just be roughage <laughs> jokes. <laughs> you want some discussion, some, some intellect, mm. some yes, intelligent I'm, thought. I'm sorry, but I'm in a bowel mood. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, dear. Oh, no. we're, just, we're just straining to talk about it. Oh. I'm sure Leopold was after a bit of roughage, wasn't he? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Go on, Gene. Tell us about mind. the Irregulars. Authentically. Well... The regulars. Victorian England meets Sherlock Holmes meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets a bit of Doctor <laughs> Who meets yep. sci-fi fantasy. It really was it that good, wasn't it? it? <laughs> <laughs> mm. the, there were some nice bits I liked about this. I liked Leopold and the fact they actually got that he suffered from haemophilia. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm not sure when the Golden Dawn was started. I'm not sure if the Golden Dawn was around when Conan Doyle was writing Holmes. 
Yeah. Or if it was a more, if it was a slightly later organisation. But I liked the use of the Golden Dawn. Yeah. I'm looking it up now. She Thank is. God. She mm. is. She's on mm-hmm. Wikipedia, so it'll be wrong. I assumed they made it up. I didn't know. No, it was, it, 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 no, it was um, Alistair Crow- Crowley, wasn't it? It still exists. Uh, 1930s. Ah. The Golden Dawn still exists. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah You're not a, allowed to say that out loud, though. <laughs> it's an it's a esoteric organisation that still has societies and groups and and what have you. It's mm. a bit like Christianity meets paganism to some extent. Eighteen eighty six. So yeah, but it, yeah, it could. Yes, it would have been just about. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just about. about it, another, another question but but for the age that Leopold okay. would have been. So basically, it was mm. what Jean's neglected to say. Is this yeah. is um, a different take on Sherlock Holmes, Very but focusing so much... on the on the Baker Street irregulars, the young yeah. people who mm-hmm. help Holmes and Watson in their investigations, like Varys's little well, birds from Game of Thrones. Yeah, it was primarily Doctor Watson that they helped me. Sort of, Holmes didn't really enter the uh, enter the series until about halfway through. And wasn't, so. not, mm-hmm. wasn't Watson a knob? <laughs> yes. I was talking to someone about this and I said, yes. And I said, well, what what are the characters up? Well, I said, Dr. Watson is a complete and utter beep. (laughs) (laughs) And Holmes is just pitiful. He was stoned. stoned. That's Mm. why he couldn't do anything. And why Watson was going around Mm. using kids to He wasn't just stoned. The fact that he neglected his daughter and... His stepdaughter yeah. and everything else, and I get the feeling that happened really quickly. You know, the fact they were that they were in the workhouse while his daughter was still a baby. It wasn't like yeah. he mm-hmm. gave it a go. It was almost like, no. oh, my wife has disappeared into the workhouse with you. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and the fact that Watson didn't even try and talk him out of it. Yeah, I got the feeling no. there was there was a feeling, an underlining feeling that Watson was. In love. Well, that was made clear. That was made clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, sexually in love with him, not just admiringly. So he said it. He said it outright. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. But I like the fact that it would have been very easy to overplay it, but it wasn't Mm. overplayed. It just was there. Yeah. Yeah. It was there, and it was the Mm. main motivating Mm. thing of what explained a lot of his actions. It wasn't in your face. Yes. It was you were conscious of it. <laughs> Stop, it. In, Stop, it. Face. Stop it. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. They didn't labour the it point. Was, it, yeah, they didn't labour the point. No. It was a constant thread in the background. So anyway, yeah. these are regulars. There's five of them. You've mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. B, who's the uh, the ringleader, Billy, mm-hmm. Spike, Jesse, and Leo, otherwise known as Prince Leopold, son of Queen Victoria. Although they don't know that to start with. No, no, not no. for quite some time. Who was a real person? Yes, yes. he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. And, yes. the, um, the and he was a hemophiliac. He, uh, he was, and he died when he was 30. And the girl he um, is mm. forced to marry in this was the woman he married. And they yeah. very quickly had two yeah. children. So he got his practice in. <laughs> <laughs> As takes on the Sherlock Holmes thing, it, it takes a lot of liberties. Oh. It, there's, it is very much just Sherlock Holmes in name, yeah. really. Yeah. I, I, I've said before that various canon things like this is is a spotlight. And you can play around as much as you like in the spotlight. But I think the Sherlock Holmes of this is pushed outside the spotlight. 
Yeah, completely. Yeah. Because the regulars in the, the canon, they're street urchins who help Holmes. Yeah. yeah. But here, they don't really. No. Somehow, that never happened. A timeline shift or something has happened. Yeah. So they never actually directly worked for 221B and until these events anyway. Yeah. Their contact person in this is Watson, not Sherlock. Yeah. In the canon, it's Sherlock who's made the connections and Sherlock who's sets them the tasks or to observe these people. They they have no real connection with Sherlock whatsoever in this. Besides being related, potentially. Yeah. At least one of them. Jessie is B's sister, and yep. she has a power. She, power. she She's basically psychic, Yeah, she, she can enter the minds. Mm. Uh, she has a safe place, and but I got this completely wrong. I read it completely wrong. <laughs> I uh, didn't. Keith didn't. Where She goes to this safe place, which is a dock on what looks like a bayou in, uh, I think it was Louisiana. Yeah. And there's oh, a, the there's a nice the man there. Box. Looks a bit like Doctor, um, the man from Del Monte. And <laughs> he's got really kind granddad eyes, and I thought he was lovely and was trying to help her. I was no. perhaps mistaken. <laughs> I, 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 I was. I, I thought for the first one or two occasions that you know mm. he was benevolent. That maybe he was in the afterlife or another and realm. He was training and he was a benevolent her. figure. And then there was two or three things that started to happen, and he's behaving. And I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, run, mm-hmm. run, just, just, <laughs> just, yep. just run. Yeah. <laughs> There were a few clues there. It was mm. like second or third time you see him. I can't remember what it was. There's something which he said or... It's about delving deeper into their minds. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. And he lost for me, the f- yeah, For me, the first shot could have gone either way. For me, the second shot was I'm going, that's a lot like the Black Guardian when he first <laughs> appeared, all in white. Yeah. And he was played by yeah. Clark Peters, who played the master in his Dark Materials. Ah! Oh, yeah. well, he he oh, plays okay. the character in this, but... That's the one thing I have to say. All of the child, well, child actors, they're not child actors, young but adults. all of the younger yeah. adults and all of the supporting cast in this were all very well cast, I thought. I, oh, yeah, I yeah. loved Oh, very much so. You yeah. know, whereas normally you get, um, oh, God, the, the detective. Sherlock? Gregson? Sherlock. No, 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 the police detective. Gregson. No, Lestrade. Lestrade. Yeah, where, whereas normally mm. you get Lestrade as being quite a bumbling, ineffectual character in this, he's a complete... An utter person of unmarried parentage. He's a total yeah. drunk, isn't he? Yeah. He's horrible. Yeah. Religious when he, zealot. When he finally... Spoiler music, spoiler music. Cha-la-la-la-la. You have no sympathy for his character. It's almost like, yes. I was very surprised they killed him off like that. One comparison I must draw. The linen man said he was on a transatlantic steamer coming over to London. It was just the scene where they all rushed down to the docks and you see the the boat that he was on and he sort of literally sort of run aground mm. on the banks of the Thames with all the uh, bodies strewn around. I mean, to me, that, yeah, that was very much like Dracula when he sort of um, when the boat he was on the uh, you know, sort of moored uh, in, Whit- in Whitby. Oh yes, that 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 was as soon as I saw that image, it came straight into my head that this is mm. a, a touch yeah. of the Dracula's homage. Yeah. Mm. So no, do tell us why was the linen man actually a baddie? What was he doing? Well. Each part of this story, although it connects, it starts off with our our heroine, so to speak, having bad dreams. And she's convinced she's mad and her friends are convinced she's (laughs) mad because her mother (laughs) died from madness, apparently, threw herself in the river, which we find out later is is a little bit of a porky pie. But there is a rip in the space continuum between the world of monsters, effectively, in this world. Cross rip. And each 
part of this story is not only them moving forward to find out who the parents were, but is also a episode about something that happened. So you've got a bird man who's stealing babies by use of birds yeah. and all the rest of it. You've got someone that's stealing body parts yeah. and totally healing people mm. to make a Frankenstein's monster of her husband. Mm-hmm. So you've got these all these little isolated stories in between it as well. The rather psychotic uh, Tooth Fairy Oh yes, as well. I love the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> all culminating in this final how to close the rip, but You've got the linen man wants the power that he can get because if he can harness the power of this rip, he can become a god. Mm -hmm. You've got Holmes that wants the rip to stay open because it means he can get his dead wife back. Mm -hmm. You've just got all these people coming in at the end for different reasons, (laughs) wanting the rip open or not, as the case may be. Oh, Mm -hmm. a very salient point that my dear wife raised was um, the comparison between uh, the closing of the rift and the closing of the rift in uh, Lock and Key. Mm. I thought Stranger Things as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, Yes. Did anyone else kind of get the idea that this was supernatural meets Game of Thrones at time? You had um, the ep- <laughs> yeah. first episode with the Birdman. He was played by Rory McGann, who played the Hound. And I think the third episode was all about stealing people's faces to disguise yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was, was a bit grim. Blood- that was. Yeah, yeah, I found it a bit bloodthirsty <laughs> yeah, at the, times. The skull left behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this isn't one for the squeamish. They don't hold back no, at times no. on it at all. Oh blimey, no. no! That wouldn't work anyway. If you take somebody's skin, it's the bone structure which shapes the face more than mm. the skin Magic. on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Magic, that's it. Magic. It's down to the skill of how you remove it and the tendons, and then it does that magic thing that they did in Mission Impossibles, where it suddenly becomes exactly the same as the human and, face. And the master. And as soon mm. as they rip it off, it turns into a latex model. Yeah. And magic. the master. Not when, you, yeah. not when you hack the face off with a Stanley blade. <laughs> what, what the whole thing put me in mind of, personally, was either... A, the Pastanoster gang, which we've just done, or Indeed. a Victorian version of Torchwood. That mm, was the yeah. vibe. Yeah. That was the vibe I was getting in general. Yeah. Each of the protagonists in each episode. So you've got the Birdman, you've got the woman stealing faces, you've yeah. got the mm. person stealing the teeth, and all the rest of it. They're all normal people, but yeah. they've yeah. all reached the point mm. where their life has collapsed around them for whatever reason. They've lost their child, they their husband's passed away. And I mm, think in grim, all but one one grim. case they actually end up using as it was called mm, back Ouija then board, a spirit yeah. board. Or we now know mm-hmm. more reverently as a, a Ouija board. And that's the way that this energy that these creatures or whatever it is from this other dimension make their way in and they feed into that person's skills. So the person that becomes the birdman is an ornithologist. The the lady that becomes the Frankenstein effectively was already a botanist. Yeah. So it Mm -hmm. it looks at the attributes that individual has and extends them, just expands them a lot more. Hmm. Supernaturally. So what do we think of the young actors who played the the leads? Um, Depressingly, we looked them all up and some of them were born this century. So they (laughs) were were really young. Yeah. (laughs) Really? That that could be 20. That's not young anymore. Oh, it's, yeah, I, it's young. So we've got Thaddea Graham. She uh, was B, excellent. She's 24. Look at Jessie, so though. She's born in China. Yeah. But Darcy Shaw, who played her half-sister Jessie, was born in 2002. <laughs> she really? Right? Yeah. Okay. 
much. Uh, oh, she was meant to be the younger sister. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Harrison Osterfelds, who played Leopold, was mm-hmm. born in oh, 1843. <laughs> <laughs> well, <okay. laughs> are, you, are you being ageist here, Karen? Are you being ageist? <laughs> doesn't say when he was born. I'm just saying that it's a, a, a new generation of young actors mm. who did a damn good job. Yeah. I like the character. I think it's Billy. Yeah, yeah. The other boy, I, mm. I liked his character. It was a mixture between I'm supposed to be the strong one, I'm supposed to be the one in charge, and I'm supposed to be the boy, the man, and keep everyone together. But was an emotional wreck in his own right yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What I what I also liked about him is after the first couple of episodes of Chafing, he was obviously in love with B, mm. but was willing mm, yes. to do the honourable thing and step back. Step yeah. aside, yeah. For, mm. to, to leave the field, because she only thought of him as a friend. Yeah. yeah. Of course, when he did do the honourable thing, he then had to go and punch things for a oh, while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't know if it makes me a bad person, yes. but I really, really wanted him to really, really hurt the um, workhouse master. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did, kind of. Oh, well, I know he did in the end, but the, I mean, the, the flashback to be protecting Jesse, it's just like, what sort of person can... Yeah. Oh, it made me so cross. Mm. You punched me again, didn't you? I did punch yeah. you. It was entirely yeah. your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> the irony of me asking what sort of person could do that and then punching you is not lost on me. Mm. <laughs> now, during the confrontation with the uh, with the Linen Man, we see each of the characters face their nemesis or, mm. or their own inner demon, yeah. Yeah. apart from Spike. He only says what he sees. Yeah, you don't he actually, actually see it see through his eyes. Saw. Yeah, and mm. he didn't say yeah. it until the end. Yeah. And it was mm. so sweet. What was it he saw? He we, saw, he was he madly said. in love with Jessie, and he said he saw her being hurt, uh, which is his worst fear. I suspect then what he sees is a rape scene of some sort. Maybe. I think he got least character development. Yeah. Yeah. Spike. Mm-hmm. But then again, you've got, like you said, what, five? Yeah. I think Spike and Billy between them don't get as much to do a lot. Of yeah. the time. He's more of uh, the face man, the fixer, the person who manages to get into the nooks and crannies and yeah. find stuff. Whether mm. it's going for a second series, his role or his personality might be expanded. Yeah, maybe mm. more fleshed out in a second series. Yeah. One thing I did notice was the Irregulars is very much in the same vein as um, Bridgerton, using a multiracial cast mm. and using uh, modern music yeah. for, us, yeah. you know, for the situations. I also found they had a very sort of modern turn of speech as well, using modern day sort of uh, epithets and uh, curses. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 the thing though. It's it's just mm. it's a ta- a different take on Holmes. Yeah, I liked the fact that it was the right level of dirty and grimy. I think in terms of the look of England, the the way everything was built on top of each other, the deprivation, but the communities, I think it got all of that really really well, mm-hmm. more so than a lot of other programs do. I often find with the Sherlock Holmes, it's it's all very clean and neat and tidy, Victorian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, you know, even when he goes into a brothel or workhouse, it's the best class one in, in the town. <laughs> Where is this? Regularly act- swept. Yeah. They're actually living in the cellar of a pub. Yeah. yeah. It was dirty. It was grimy. They wore the same clothes over and over. Everyone that they were involved in, there was no clean clothes other than the really well-paid people. People had actual rips. So I loved all of that, that they got that very, very authentic. 
but I also liked the fact that they didn't stick the language in the archaic era. And I think mm. if this was supposed to be a Sherlock Holmes Irregulars, then no, you need to keep the whole thing in terms of, hate to say it, the ethnic balance as it would have been then. You've got to keep the language as it would have been then if you're going to do a classical reproduction. But this wasn't because you've got the whole fantasy element. You can yeah. do what you like with it. And I like the fact that they did actually do their homework on one hand and make it real and the Golden Dawn societies and a lot of the stuff around the classism, not just racism, but more classism, and also made it modern. Talking of things that don't fit, Mrs. Hudson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. She was a slum landlady. Yeah. Yeah. She was fantastic. Personally, I'm just wondering, considering the amount of flack that Enola Holmes got because of its Sherlock portrayal from the Mm. uh, Dickensian Society, I'm wondering how much flack this is going to pick up. Well, quite frankly, they can bite me. (laughs) Enola Holmes was excellent, and this is also excellent, and we don't have to keep everything, Mm, keep Holmes trapped in one tiny little box where purists can admire him. (laughs) Him and Watson can do what the hell they want. Yeah, I think this one possibly, you know, they'll look down their noses at it and go, oh, no, 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 no. But I suspect this one might not get quite so much jip because it is so fantasy-based. Yeah. This could have been a story about a group of urchins who discovered all of this and found someone to help them. You have them as the irregulars. You have Holmes and Watson, but it didn't need to be Holmes and Watson. No, Mm. it didn't. And I do wonder why it was. Is it just for the name? Because there's no reason Mm. why why it was Holmes and Watson. (laughs) It had nothing at all to do with the canon. I think it's more to do with Conan Doyle. Uh, Conan Doyle was was into some of this stuff. He was very heavily into all of this, so I think maybe that's why... that's no reason why Sherlock Holmes should be I in this think, world. I th- personally, I think the um, the reason Sher- it was Sherlock Holmes is because this relationship has already been hinted at in the books, the Irregulars mm. and Sherlock. The, yeah, so the you had that you yeah, had sure. that set up. But Plus, these aren't the same Irregulars. No, no, I, I I know that. I know that. Plus. It's the name Sherlock Holmes to drag people in as yeah. well. Yeah, I think that's the only reason. You will get a set of uh, t- a certain type of audience. Admittedly, they might scream and shout about it, but you will get a a viewership. I thought he, he was quite a good Holmes in his way. Oh, yes, he had a great yeah. voice. Yes, I could I could see him playing a normal Holmes. Well, you mm. you did have a couple of glimpses of a normal Holmes in the mm. flashbacks with the the opera singer. Mm. Maybe a bit, but it's even then he, he looked like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Going forward, spoiler music, spoiler music, la 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 la. I'm wondering how you can progress with this because it's now Watson mm. and the Irregulars. <laughs> mm. um, now, is the next one going well, to be how to yeah. rectify that position? Presumably. I really hope there is a follow up because yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I think the overwhelming question is, how will they get Sherlock Holmes back? Mm. Should yeah. they? I don't know if they killed off Lestrade. Mm. Yeah, but he was what, a twonk. Why do you need? And we're meant to believe that the wife, the mother, what was her name again? She was Alice. the one who caused this rip this time from the other side. From the other, yeah. She was opening it up to get back. That's mm. what you're So it is obviously she could do that again, or Holmes could do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which is how he'll get back. There you go. Yeah, so this is going to be a recurring problem, I would think. I don't know. <laughs> Not very <laughs> final. 
which is why we need another series. <laughs> yeah. And also, did I spot the Gladstone pottery being used there? I think so. The same so. location used for Trial of a Time Lord? Yes. I think so. Yes, because yeah. I pointed yeah. it Factory. out. Factory. Yeah, mm. it was. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was. Because <laughs> I spotted the spot where Colin Baker washed his hands in dog pee by mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you see the megabyte modem? That's no, that, 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 was, in, that was in a drawer. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, definitely interesting take. Yeah. I don't think I was quite as enamoured by it as you were. But, <laughs> That's because um... you have no soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's quite good. It was quite good. Right, as always, we'd like to know what the rest of you rabble thought of it. It's on Netflix. It's called Irregulars. It's damn good. <laughs> Write to us. Tell us about it via show. At Dagoween. Stories. Dot. Net. Yes, we did it. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Now, chaps and chapesses, before we move on to the feedback, of which there is much, mm. we haven't said hello to him. <gasps> oh. Oh. He's glaring at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ganging up with Furry Wataka. Oh, no, no. There's an image. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Hello, hello head, head of Pertwee. Is Cardboard Amy very, still there? Yeah. Yep, cardboard yep, yep. Clara? Cardboard Orange Clara. Oh, yes. Yeah. I miss them all. <laughs> oh. Soon. Very soon. Yeah, it can't be too many weeks off now, surely. That a month. That hundred <laughs> years. That a million yeah. years. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, <laughs> some of you have been writing to us. Ooh, thank you. We thank have you. heard thank you. from thank you. Will. Thank you, Will. Hello, Thank Will. you, Will. He says, hello, all. Hello, Will. Been a long time since I last wrote to you all, so I hope you're all keeping well and safe during these bizarre times. <laughs> I recently watched Battlestar Galactica for the first time, the Ooh. new one, ah, since it was added to iPlayer, and wow, what a phenomenal show. It's easily my new favourite show, after Doctor Who, of course. I can't mm. remember the last time I watched a show that made my jaw drop on practically every episode. So mm. if anyone's not seen it, I can't recommend it enough. Mm. Another show I've been watching to keep myself sane during lock time. Lock time? Start that sentence again. It's because I can hear <laughs> myself in my ear. <laughs> Another show I've been watching to keep myself sane during lockdown or procrastinating doing my dissertation, depending on your point of view. Someone send me motivation is Fringe. Ooh. I'm only on the yeah. second series so far, but really enjoying that too. Isn't Walter just the <laughs> sweetest yes mo yet most unnerving bloke you've ever seen? <laughs> Never seen it. Anyway, that's all from me now until I think of some more coherent ramblings to send your way. All the best, and as always, loving the show, Will. Thank you. Yeah. P.S. Oh, oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. I would also recommend the latest Eighth Doctor series from Big Finish called Stranded. Mm. Some really lovely mm. character work in there, and probably the most relatable the Doctor's ever been, as you can imagine from the title. We've listened to that, <laughs> haven't we? We, we listened yes. to number one. I think number two's out now. Oh, excellent. Yes. Number Box one two is brilliant. Now out. Maybe we should do that as well, yeah. We should. Thank you, Will. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Will. You, thank you. Thank you. I must watch Bastard again. I watched the first season and a half, I think. Yeah. When it was on TV. Yeah. I do have it on Blu-ray. Don't let I've Will bully you. Watch it. No, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. That's a fringe. I've got the first season of that on DVD and I've never watched it at all. <laughs> I must <laughs> <laughs> 
Any Never more letters? We have a couple of audio feedbacks. They're a lot easier to read. They are. Yep. They are. Yeah. You don't trip <laughs> up on the long words. <laughs> so the first one is from Tim. Hello, Hello Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, Staggerers. Hello, Head of Pertwee. Hello, other members of the Menagerie. It's Tim from Tim's Take On here. Yeah, I thought I'd better send you some feedback because I listened to your podcast this morning and you hadn't had any feedback for two whole episodes. No. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sort of suitably inspired partly by my own activities and partly by your own podcast. I speak to you at a historic time for my own podcast. I've been re-watching the classic series of Doctor Who since January of 2013. And last week, I finally reached survival. Uh, This had been a relatively slow process at times, because there'd be like a gap of a month here and two months there if I put loads of convention coverage on my podcast instead. Uh, But lockdown and the mass cancellation of events rapidly speeded up the process. So between... March of last year, and where are we now? Uh, Well, yeah, March of this year, (laughs) I went from the tail end of Tom Baker to the end of Sylvester McCoy, watching a story a week. This time, I actually enjoyed survival. I have very strange experiences with survival. Up until the new series starting, it used to be among my favourite Sylvester McCoy stories, and I used to think it was one of the best things about um, series 26 and then the new series started and I went back and watched survival again and wasn't any didn't feel anywhere near as good felt cheap just just did not feel anywhere near as good as I as, as I used to enjoy it is is this thing and it, it applies to films it applies to tv it applies to music it applies to all sorts of things in life what you experience is all independent upon what mood you're in when you watch it mm. i'm yeah. in a very good mood at the moment and on about week two of what I call one of my highs, because one of my many meds, shake me, I rattle, mm. has the rather fun side effect known as mood changes, which means sometimes I can be in a bit of a hole and be in a horrible n- mood for no particularly logical or explained reason for about a month. And then other times I can have anywhere between a week and a month's worth of being on cloud nine. <laughs> and I'm on one of those at the moment, which is rather nice. Mm. So in quick succession i watched survival last week and enjoyed it and then i watched the tv movie and i'd been toying with how the hell am i going to do the tv movie and i almost did it as a solo commentary and then in the end i thought no i'll do it how i did the five doctors so watch it twice within 24 hours to sort of cement it in your mind and then review it and this time i was even more comprehensive because the first time i watched it on the sunday afternoon i stuck the blu-ray on and i grabbed my iphone 11 i just made reams of notes and then when i came to record the review i thought i don't need to read out the synopsis to this it's the doctor who tv movie if you're listening to a doctor who podcast you ought to have seen that by now after all it's 21 years old this year that that's worked out rather nicely I was almost watching it uh, near the anniversary of its um, first airing. Anyway, onwards to other things. Um, Here's the opposite of a 30-second recommendation. It may take (laughs) more than 30 seconds, as usual. Easter Saturday, I watched Wonder Woman 1984. (laughs) Well, most of it. It was quite a warm afternoon. I was very tired from... A long day, long day of walking in London the previous day, and I fell asleep and missed bits of it, mm. but n- enjoyed some of it. <laughs> it was all right. 
It's way too long. <laughs> Two and a half hours, it's way too long. And I'm going to have to stick it on again sometime and try and work out certain plot threads that just lost me entirely. So I, perhaps I'll wait till, like, the winter or something when it's a lot colder and Today. perhaps easier to concentrate. Yeah. <laughs> and the irony is... I'd had an energy drink that afternoon, and so I was definitely awake for the first hour of that film. <laughs> Take two, Nick. Anyway, I'm sticking the extras of that on this afternoon, because I've got this, due to the wonderful way my leave is worked out, a week of afternoons off, rather than normally I have the week of the bank holiday off entirely, but my morning job's mucking me around on leave this time, and I, do, and I can't steal some of it from later in the year, because I do need it for certain events. I did make notes about what I was going to mention. Yes, actual feedback on your podcast this morning. Oh, and I've I put this on Facebook, and I'll put it here in this audio feedback as well. I'm listening to my afternoon podcast in the morning this week, and it was wonderful listening to you guys while I was just doing really dull jobs like <laughs> hoovering student common rooms and what have you. It was like having you all follow me around just chatting to each other, like a little gang of geeks in my ears. It was wonderful. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> yes. Mm. Babylon 5, mm. which um, Fake Keith is really enjoying. Mm. And has whizzed through, <laughs> I don't know how much of it you said. Now, I don't know how long ago this was, but when you first started doing Babylon 5 commentaries, it was, mm. well, I was I was inspired by this, and I went, oh, it's an excuse to finally listen to a few of your commentary podcasts. And I bought Babylon 5 Season 1 on DVD. Mm-hmm. I don't think I got past about episode one or two. I found <laughs> it incredibly dull and hard to watch. Like fake, fake Keith, I was really into to Deep Space Nine, and this was a contemporary of Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is so much better. Yes, <laughs> Babylon 5 gets no. better. It has that problem that a lot of old Doctor Who has. You watch it now, and due to things like the effects, which I gather they did on about two Commodore Amigas... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Something called a video <laughs> yep. toaster. Yep. It has, I, I don't, and there are some characters in it I remember liking, but it's one of those shows I sort of, sort of stuck with stubbornly right to the end. Um, yes, yeah, she also mentioned the Time Warrior, which coincidentally has also been reviewed on another Doctor podcast recently, as recently as about last week or the week before. Mm. The Verity podcast um, did a review of the Time Warrior, and isn't it wonderful fun, the Time Warrior? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sarah Jane still remains one of the very, very few Doctor Who companions who doesn't have a it's bigger on the inside scene with mm. the Doctor about mm. the TARDIS, which has always yeah. mystified me. Because you'd, you'd think someone who works as a journalist and has a curious mind would um, They're not very smart, would want to ask, ask him questions about <laughs> a box that's bigger on the inside than the outside. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun, the Time Warrior, definitely. I think that's me done. Later this week, I have time for at least one more movie before next weekend. So I'm g- I've also got the Blu-ray now of Birds of Prey, the um, Harley Quinn movie. Mm. And I have no idea if it's any good. It's meant to be okay. I do like Harley Quinn, though. So from what I've read, she teams up with a bunch of superheroes in this and turns good. We shall see. We shall also <laughs> see if I manage to stay awake for it. <laughs> Slipping into that time of year. And I don't know if this is an age thing, because it's been for years when I, if I put a film on in the afternoon, I will just zonk out it. I think it's more of a heat thing than an age thing. Oh, the other thing I've started um, watching recently is I've begun a rewatch of um, Game of Thrones. 
Mm. I'm slowly buying the Blu-ray box sets, and I'm sticking an episode of Game of Thrones on regular as clockwork every Wednesday night. And I'm rather enjoying that. You you suddenly uh, look at Macy Williams and go, oh yes, I'd forgotten she was like 11 or something <laughs> when this show started, and the the Peter Dinklage's character didn't even have a beard at the beginning and <laughs> things like that. Um, so I think that's about all. Hopefully... We'll all actually cross paths later this year. Fingers crossed. Hooverville will go ahead. Yeah. I think it's due to happen in um, September. So, bye for now. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Funny enough, I've seen this to Tim. I've been working my way through Doctor Who, and I've just done Battle... Not Battlefield, um, Dragonfire last night. (laughs) So I'm not far behind him. Something I've never done, I don't think. Right, and another one here. Two, two for the price of one. Ooh. Ooh. I cut those over. Evil Dave. Ooh. Evil Dave. Evil Dave. Dun, dun, dun. Hello, Staggering Stories crew. It's DJ Evil Dave from the Dark Corner podcast, all the way from Ogden, Utah, in the US of A. I thought I'd send something in. And it's about Cyberpunk 2077. It is an incredibly fun and even compelling game. But yes, it does have its flaws. A lot of those are in the gameplay, considering that it was released about two years before it really should have. (laughs) Yeah, there are some graphical issues, and I'm playing on a PlayStation 4, (laughs) so it'll kick me out of the game every once in a while. Hmm. There's also... Certain missions that, if you don't follow them correctly, become impossible to complete. And if you want it completed, you have to go in and reload a previous save. Your character gets ambushed. Well, V. If you approach this mission more stealthily, the target will sneak off and disappear off screen, never to be seen again. (laughs) One of the strangest graphical glitches I've seen is when you cut an enemy with your knife and they just kind of blow up like mm. an umbrella. Just their skin flaps up and yeah, what an image. It's a problematic <laughs> yeah, game too, yeah. considering it's supposed to be in set in the future and yet it's not as woke as we are today. I think that's because it's based on the tabletop role-playing game yeah. in the 80s which was known as Cyberpunk 2020. In fact, Johnny Silverhand, Alt, Rogue, they're all pre-created characters for the RPG. And the world is very much based on a vision of 1980s Cyberpunk, taking from Blade Runner, Liquid Sky, Road Warrior, Repo Man, etc. And adopting some of the later Cyberpunk as well, particularly Strange Days. However, this means that there's... Some problematic racial issues, because it adopts the 1980s fear of Japanese corporations, the Arasaka company being a prime target. And also its strange ideas about gender identity. Pronouns are used depending on what sex you choose in character generation. And enemies will use those pronouns even if they don't see you. And there's no non-binary they, them, to choose from. Mm. And it seemed like the developers realized they had an issue with trans identity early on because they introduced this character, Claire, who is a trans woman, which is 
pretty cool until you realize that you're helping her out on a revenge plot. And that kind of sullies what that character is. I'm on my fourth playthrough, and I have to say that it's a surprisingly dense and complicated game, more so than you would think. Different scenarios play out depending on what you did earlier in the game. For instance, how you deal with Maelstrom at the All Foods factory later plays out at their club, the Totentents. There's about three different outcomes depending on what you did earlier. Similarly, you'll notice on replays, characters you meet in the game show up a little earlier than you thought. I'm thinking Pan Am and Judy. So yeah, while it is both problematic and glitchy, it's strangely fun and engaging, and I'm still playing it for yeah. whatever reason. <laughs> I normally would leave you with some music, provided I had enough time. And if I do, after editing this feedback down, I'll leave you with a little bit of Halo in Reverse's cover of the Blade Runner end credits theme. Anyhow, take care. Thank you. Big fish, fish, fish. <laughs> Thank you. Funny enough, I was Thank thinking you. the other day because something was chatting on something about trans and non-binary, and mm -hmm. in literature, it's almost like there needs to be a version of Mister or Mrs or he or she that is non-binary because if you put they came into the room, it's like which they is it? Is it they singularly because they being a also a plural as well as being yeah. you know it, it, yeah, it english language isn't really built it for it kind yeah, of like there needs to, needs to be the creation of a new word to yeah, to yeah. to give a specification to that so if you're doing it in literature you you know that that word means you know a non-binary person just as you put he walked into the room means it's a masculine or she walked into mm. the room it must be even trickier with languages where they assign gender to objects. Yeah, French must be totally and utterly screwed mm. by yeah, all of this. Yeah, male and female words, yeah. Yeah, how do they deal with that? I've got He is non-binary. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. But then, yeah. you know, they decide uh, whether a car or a table is male or female. So. Did you know what's screwed up about French? What's screwed up about French? V what's up? Vagi vagina is male. Really? And penis hmm. is female. Okay. Hmm. I learnt I learnt that on eight out of ten cats does countdown, so it must be true. <laughs> oh well, if they said it. <laughs> so maybe because a table stands on the floor and the floor is female. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I must give Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Is it? Yeah, a go at some point, but when it's on sale, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I I managed to get hold of a copy at, at Christmas, and yes, it has bugs. Yes, it has faults, but I'm still enjoying it.
it's still a good mm. game. I object to you saying you managed to get hold of a copy when I gave it to you for Christmas. I'm sorry. It was my <laughs> it was my gift to Light you. Light of my life, <laughs> center of my I universe. Thought, I love him. He's mentioned this. I'll go out of my way to buy it. My reason for being, my no, motivation for I, I everything know where I, I do. Stand. I love you. I thought they'd um, withdrawn it and reissued it because of all the bugs with it. Not they keep patches. Yeah, they're sending out patches left, right, and centre. Oh, right. Every now and again, the uh, the PS4 has to stop the uploading patch. I was really disappointed because <laughs> I'd read somewhere that one of the um the bugs was that when you choose the male character, if you make him have a really big schlong, it appears <laughs> outside his clothes, and it didn't. I, I think that's the first bug they. Yeah, I was looking forward to sort of running down the street with Nick Johnson flapping in the breeze. (laughs) Get arrested for that sort of thing. (laughs) Any more feedback? I think that is it. Oh, well, thank you. Let's not be greedy. Thank you, you three. That was wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As for the rest of you, you can write to us. How do they write to us? They can send us an email via show at staggeringstories.com. Net. Woohoo! <laughs> Lead us out, Crumbly. And so, dear listeners, that brings us to the end of another podcast. Yay. But never fear, in the next one, there'll be more of the same. Oh, God. More fun, frivolity, and jollity, more news and reviews, more who old and new. So, until that. I, for irregular. Uh, interloping. Insipid. Iridescent. Igloo. Infatuated. Igloo. With iguanas. <laughs> no, that's it. Irradiated. <laughs> Irrigated. An itsy bitsy spider. Comes inching towards us with death in mind. Irritatingly. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is me, Crumbly, saying, be seeing you. Farewell. Goodbye. Au revoir. Bye. Bye bye. You have been listening to the Staggering Stories podcast series one number 365 featuring Adam Purcell, Andy Simpkins, fake Keith, Gene Riddler, fake Crumbly and the real Keith Dunn. The views expressed here are those of the speakers and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers or the site. No copyright infringement is intended and this has been an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. No. Yeah, we can hear you. No, I can hear you. Jean. No, she's been attacked. Uh, uh-huh. Does this mean we can talk about her? I <laughs> I can see you, but I can't hear you. <laughs> so if I call you a raging tart, you... <laughs> <laughs> twice! Twice! Yes, twice! For some reason... It... Can you hear me? Yes, yes. yes. Right. Yes, so, I could. Right, for some reason, as soon as it's fine until we actually go to the Skype, so I'm going to try my other headset. Okay. It was working fine, but it's just suddenly gone fit. So can I call her a raging tart now? No, because I can hear oh, you. Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote She's good 30-odd miles away, at least you can call her what you like. I, Ooh. <laughs> I wrote a song and everything. Well, Jean's a tart, she's a big fat tart, she's a big kiss tart. Did you just call her? <laughs> Don't you talk about her like that. Yeah, that's your oh, fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Jane, you're very shadowy and ominous. Yeah, I don't know where I am. Well, you're, uh, you're on the sofa and Jean's playing with her pussy. <laughs> Do we have an intro? Yes. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> we're so, we're so cr- Does it involve Prince Philip? Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, just swear, Why ever not? Do you want to turn me off, then? No, 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 Jane, that's not how you talk to men. You're, you're getting it all backwards. Uh, it's the other way around, isn't it? <laughs> Two, three, four, eight, a thumb more. <laughs> I win. Stop that, it's silly! Oh, we have some breaking news. Oh, oh. oh right. Yes, Tom Baker. <laughs> Dead again. You're a liar. Oh, yeah. I think that's a whole <laughs> placeholder. BBC. <laughs> I'm checking the BBC. You're such a fibber. You're not allowed to say that. Thomas Edith Baker. Edith. <laughs> former monk and whippet warrior. <laughs> will eat no more babies, jelly or otherwise. His timely... <laughs> his timely death came as a rumbunctious toilet paper stealing puppy mistook his long scarf for the end of some loo roll, <laughs> running off with one end in its mouth. The old codger was strangled to death. His lifeless corpse was quickly arranged for a hasty final photo shoot with Doctor Who fans before inadvertently crushed by the crumbling headstone he bought himself 30 years ago. <laughs> You're a sick man. Uh, Tom Baker is like Kenny. A bastard? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Roger's chicken? Oh. I feel sorry for which one of you's editing this lot. I have several <laughs> I meetings this week, so I can't really help. Uh, oh, blimey. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm not in the least, because that was a real jumble. <laughs> oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he put his thing on my cheek. I beg your pardon. What should we go and see your face? Tongue. <laughs> uh, Keith, you're licking your wife's face. I am. It. Very moist. The line. Yeah, she got it out in the end. What? I don't know, you're just looking at me, making your eyes go wider and wider, and it's kind of freaky, because your head's going to pop. Love you. Oh, you're a weirdo. <laughs> Crumbly's gone. Talk yeah. about him. Jane. Are we Jane, yes, what's we the size of his Crumbly. willy? <laughs> That's small. Wow. <laughs> Jane, God. You're a martyr, Jane. You are a martyr. <laughs> These are more like a plushie, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Apart from the coat and Mutagi here, the clothes are actually just part of the... The, the bear, bear, yeah. They're I've, sewn into I've their clothes. I've tucked his tie in. Oh, this... Yeah, this, it's just their skin is the clothes. This waistcoat coat. comes off, and his coat and it, oh, his trousers don't come off. You can get your finger you right get David Tennant's trousers off. <laughs> I wouldn't bother. I had ten millimeters as I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy would know. Andy, we were just discussing the size of your genitals. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Jane was not complimentary. <laughs> Three six five, because we got that wrong last time. Yeah, we did. Is that my fault? Probably. 
No, it was Jean's fault. <laughs> following instructions. I was only obeying the following orders. orders. <laughs> <laughs>